0: being able to describe your job by the number of hours between which you show up to do it is like a very depressing idea, right? Like the first thing that comes out of your mouth is I have a nine to five. Now I do X. And I think that is indicative of the problem is like you, you people aren't, or we just haven't structured the world in a way where people are pursuing something with like a light at the end of the tunnel, you know? It's just like, I'm doing this to learn this or to become this, like to to garner this skill. Like corporate culture just puts you in this. I can completely empathize with
1: this idea of coming out of college, landing in this environment and being like, shit, this is all there is. All right, welcome to another episode of Not Investment Advice. We've got the NIA gang here together today. Trunk fan, Jack Butcher, Bilal Zaidi. Happy Halloween, boys. And for the people only listening, Trung looks like an absolutely ridiculous person right now. Trung, what's going on with the outfit, <laughs> mate? <laughs> do, you, do you Are you guys familiar with the Little Prince book? Little Prince? Le no, I don't think prince? so. No, I don't think children's so.
2: children's book. All right. I don't know. It was wrong, famous. Wrong person. Famous mate. around <laughs> our parts. But uh, the Little Prince, there's a guy called the Aviator in it. That's me. I'm the Aviator. That's it look like a complete knob right now on the people if you're if you're on listening to this on Spotify Apple stay listening to it don't go to YouTube <laughs>
0: <laughs> Mate, that's proper was, gear you got on the
2: yeah, yeah. Um, well I don't know man my wife well, well, my question is this: Why isn't Jack dressed up, man? You got kids. Get bro. the
0: eyes on. Get the eyes on. Yeah.
2: Get the guys on.
1: It's turning yeah. into a Theo uh, one yeah. podcast yeah. now, man. Can <laughs> you, yes, yes, yes. right. <laughs> Cover. Wait, guys, let's great. just get a zoom in okay, here, I'm, Rafa. This I is I the thumbnail these. for the week. Well, let's you're gonna
2: t- 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 laugh because you, you guys know how like how cheap these costumes are, right? So like these aren't like even. I can't even see. I can't even see it's you incredible, guys. Incredible, man. All right, hold on. Let me let me ask. Okay, quickly. I mean, this is gonna come out Wednesday, so Halloween have already happened, so let me ask, what are you guys doing tonight? Jack, are you doing anything? Bilal, are you doing anything?
0: Yeah, yeah. We do there's like a there's a little parade where we are that all the kids get. It's like they go they go absolutely ape shit here for it, man. It's like proper, you know, planned that streets closed families, down, police yeah.
1: do it. Yeah, it's proper. Oh, the police are out just to keep the kids in order. Do you know what well, I mean? Bilal. The kids
2: let 10 years ago, what would you have done on Halloween versus what you're doing tonight? <laughs>
1: Let's think. What's the year? 2023, 2013. Yeah. That's the year I moved here. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I did lean in because I'll be honest, I'm not a massive fan of dressing up of, of random stuff. But then once I moved to the States, I was like, I got to just go lean in because people go <laughs> absolutely hammer. I will say this is a bit of a a flex one. But what who what was it? Uh, you know, Heidi Klum, the... the what, you went to
2: heidi klum's halloween party
1: 2013 yeah that first year Yay. i got here that wow. was mad i saw ice t oh, her like publicist Google? was a friend of mine or still is a friend of mine but yeah he uh big up jesse he's also he used to be the uh, publicist for uh who's the brazilian uh, adriana lima all, all of the uh
2: Yo, hold on oh a yeah second. it's crazy Pop. good Yo, friend hold to have on. yeah <laughs> pump the brakes here Malal, well, you went to Heidi Klum's house. Yeah, it
1: sounds better than it was. To be, honest. it was fun. I was dressed as uh, the pharaoh, obviously. You know, I already got the tan, and as uh, and then oh, I'll tell you another story off off camera because uh, I was gonna go off the what, deep what's, end. Uh,
2: hold on a second? What's uh, what's Halloween like in the UK? Because you mentioned that it didn't go that crazy. I'm guessing. I think Jack them-
1: Jack's crowd went a bit harder than me because I was keeping it clean. But Jack, what you were going hard with the. Halloween stuff, uni days. Yeah, mate. Yeah. Oh, uni days was just no cancellations,
0: boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah. We, can. you, you we would can't. You can't talk it. about some, send some of these it.
2: stories, bros. Well, no, there must have
0: been no, some crazy hours. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, uh, Cardiff in particular was just a very loose city, so you get. Some
1: loose city is an incredible <laughs> <Yeah>. phrase.
2: Okay, <laughs> <laughs> hold on, go for the jack. We're married with kids, bro. Calm using
1: loose and see. Okay,
2: but hold on a second. <laughs> let me throw something out there. Okay, let let us okay, pin this. I got two thoughts. My first one was a question to follow up with you guys. Blaze obviously got the best story with the Heidi Klum thing, so this year I'm guessing Blau, you'll you'll be way more low key. No, I'll be at
1: home. I'll be home doing yeah. nothing. Yeah, keeping okay. it easy.
2: So, what is the best costume any of you guys have ever done?
1: That oh, was so we all went silent there. This is not Trunks' internet. This is just uh, us thinking. No, no, this you. is
0: a real thing. I
1: Though mean, most of them, internet. Gone, I couldn't so. get away
0: with it. Now we used to do we used to do yeah. ladies night on Halloween,
1: boys. Uh, <laughs> like. uh <laughs> ladies that way so you what you dress up what you've been wearing dresses as a lady as a lady yeah. David Beckham style wearing yeah, a they, sarong he yeah? used to be there <laughs> <yes>. yeah <laughs> All Every right,
0: October 31st boys that's
1: incredible that's Frung's, incredible Trunks gone Frung's did you do, yeah Trunks Trunk actually froze but he'll come back in we'll just keep <laughs> it going but was there Um, what, what about New York did you go pretty hard in New York would you because uh, it gets kind of cold by this time of year I have some memories yeah, of I went to a really few cold. but
0: I went to a few but no I can't remember doing anything that oh, mad did you, you ever go to the Sleep? The Santa no
1: More? oh Santa Con is stupid as hell yeah incredible yeah, but yeah, yeah. just people dressed yeah. no, up as no, Santa I didn't do clothes.
0: it I remember that era though the the Sleep No More the Sleep No More era man That was. I think uh, that was the was next year I went to
1: 2014 like, yeah. and for people who've never been to it Sleep No More is like this thing in New York where you go it's kind of like a interactive play like you can walk around uh this crazy building and there's actors kind of doing it's kind of based on macbeth but they're doing this crazy scenes and you're just walking in and someone's jumping in the bath and then someone's just like banging someone up in the other corner and then uh sorry like hitting them sorry that, that's yeah, yeah, the wrong yeah, word yeah, to yeah, use yeah, here. Yeah. but yeah, yeah um and then so, and it's just this weird Kind of artsy thing, which is fun when you are like twenty five. You follow him around,
0: you, yeah. You follow them, but pr- now around it's the-
1: like my worst nightmare. I don't, I don't want to be walking around that place right now. But yeah, that that's a pretty fun one. But anyway, we'll wait for Trunk to come back in. I am sure he's got a good one. But um, and then what about what about with the kids now? You are just going to be doing regular stuff,
0: mate. The Sesame Street IP is, is <laughs> permeated our household, so that's what we're doing.
1: There we go. Okay, Elmo, right.
0: Cookie Monster, Oscar the Grouch. Big Bird,
1: Big Bird. There we go. Birds. All right, Trunk's coming back in. We've lost half the audience already, but uh, we'll we'll get them back. Here we go. One <laughs> second. I well, said. So let's wait for Trunk. There Kills he is. The glasses. the glasses. is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Keeping the glasses. I wish we had the recording commitment. of us actually coming on the call because it, we, I wasn't yeah. recording at the time and it was uh, like. Ready for I feel. That. I feel. I've let
0: down the listeners
1: without a costume here are you dressing up tonight though yeah what were you gonna be i'm supposed to be oscar the grouch oh you said all right cool <laughs> cool cool there we go easy easy one. all right
2: boys sorry about that i was just gonna say uh my best costume was uh i was living in vietnam obviously you hit up those surplus fabric stores i just bought one of them old communist outfits which is like looking back wait, <laughs> maybe what? That's a, not wait, wait. the best move what's an old
1: communist outfit what's that mean just like a
2: communist general, like a, like you know those crazy North Korean uh, pictures <laughs> where they all have the medals. Like I wanted those getups. I was man, dude. I was like, it's like 10, eleven years ago. Idiot. I was an idiot, right? Uh, I'm sure my parents weren't too happy about that one. Not not the biggest uh, fans of the the Viet Cong, my parents.
1: All right, what what about this one? What's the uh, we can cut this if it's boring. But um, the best halloween outfit you've seen someone else even do because oh, i'll man. tell you one i saw someone in 2010 with a full-on programmable like game boy or like some sort of game and then you could like play the game so he's just walking around like a lemon walking around in The guy was
2: not getting any uh. action in no they were, everyone was him right because <laughs> it was like
1: tetris or something and he was just pressing all the buttons i was like this is some geeky guy just absolutely smashed it all right if we don't have let's an answer, we it, can boys. keep it moving. All right, yeah. yeah Ralph, we'll you can cut it. the last bit if we need to. All right, let's go. Um, so do we want a meme in a week or we got one of the 7,000 Vince memes from last week? Uh, I think we at least have to comment on it as, a, as yeah, meme we gotta masters talk about it. that hey, you posted. guys are.
2: At this point, yeah. everyone saw that Vince McMahon meme. It's like this so video good. of him doing a conversation. He gets really <laughs> choked up. Like
1: yeah he yeah, can't yeah even
2: finish the thought. And... I was talking to Jack about this Vince McMahon is the meme hall of fame at this point, right? I don't know like if Rafa could pull it up, here are the Vince McMahon memes. The one where he has all the cash and he's smelling the money. Like he, there's that one. There's the one he's in the chair. There's like four frames at each one he's getting progressively like uh, crazier in his reactions. I mean, he know he's doing this on purpose. He knows he's a meme, right? The walkout, and, uh, the walkout
0: where he's like, like yeah, swaggering str- out.
2: So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah, we could throw it up. Uh, there's so many of these here. Uh, but do you guys have one handy? We could throw it up before we get into the show. Oh,
1: I'll find one. Um,
2: all right, before that, Jack but I shared want to about
1: talk 17. About... So, let's throw up, what we're going to talk
2: about today. What's on the menu? Yeah,
1: yeah. so while Jack's pulling that up for the Halloween special, we're not talking about Halloween at all, except for that beginning segment of the show. We're going to be talking about the Gen Z nine to five rant. You guys have probably seen the video. Uh, of this young lady who was having a bit of a breakdown on her way home or just as she got home, just realizing that the nine to five life is real. Um, so we might share that video. Actually, it's like a minute long. So for people who haven't watched it, we can then comment on the discussion around that. Uh, then we're going to talk about some edge of the internet stuff, the meta chatbot of famous people. It's quite an interesting area. Um, and then
2: we can to, we can also tap AI regulation because I yeah, came. Yeah, out AI on.
1: regulation. If you got something on that, and then. To round it out, we've got uh, Hassan Minhaj. There was a, a hit piece on him, if you want to call it that by now. Uh, I think it was like a month ago, right? Um, yeah. And
2: then, and then he, came his, he came and, out with his emotional truths.
1: He came out with a
2: minute-by-minute breakdown of the Very Hassan Minhaj
1: style. And yeah, we're yeah. going to talk about it because it's actually very NIA in terms of comedy and like the ethics of that, but also him coming back with, at the media. And then uh, if we've got time, we'll talk about Costco's $9 billion clothing business and Nollywood's. The black book which First is breakthrough breakthrough yeah which is nigeria's hollywood so jack you've been working eagerly there oh give me one second i can uh <laughs> yeah jesus Christ.
2: <laughs> yeah so for the listeners it goes dad did you sell bored apes at the 150th floor and it's just a full the video of this big man like sadly saying he did not
1: did not yeah well i didn't um what is it? The toads for me there. Whatever they got up to with uh, from the NIA special for the listeners. Oh man, that is a good one, Jack. Jack definitely did oh. sell close to that. Close to that. So uh, I don't know what Jack. Do you remember how much you sold your board eight for? What? Like ETH wise, one fifty.
0: Nah, not 150 But all Sorry. right. But, but man, I'm set. The 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 thing about that meme that is just yeah. unbelievable is the like the dad prefix that got attached to it that made it this like that contextualizes oh, yeah. it as this historic like I'm looking back at this moment and I oh, massively yeah, regret yeah. it. It's just it's just so good. It just compacted so much. I was showing to Celia the other day. She was like, did not find it remotely as funny as <laughs> I did. But I was like, shit, you know, like thirty variations on it. And it's just killed me, man. It's been the best one I've seen for so long. A, and, and I've uh, seen it
1: across every category. It's like in the mu- on uh, Instagram, the music, the hip hop meme guys. I've seen, I've seen sports Twitter and sports. Um, everyone like sports gets Bible.
2: it. Everyone gets it. Uh, seen a lab the lap. Yeah, for yeah. and yeah. probably my wife. My wife. Every <laughs> meme I've ever shown my wife, she's just like, yeah, not funny. I think
1: well, the concerned. worst is when you're trying to describe a meme. It's like describing yeah. a funny video. Yeah. You're like, oh, there's this thing of Vince McMahon, which is essentially what we did on his podcast for the 99% of people listening. But all right, anyway, uh, but incredible meme. We do cover memes on the pod. So I think that was, that's definitely a top five meme of all time, right? Like that level. Well, it's basically like
2: man's, like, we, 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 you the know, umbrella. this is all relevant, people. We're talking about memes and ideas. Vince McMahon's up there. He knows he's a meme, right? Some of these people know they're like Donald Trump knew he was a meme. Like well, he', he he's, he's, up there.
0: he knew. He's like, like I think I feel like Vince McMahon is at a inception level of memes. Like he is a created a meme factory. That's his business, right? Like the oh yeah, the people w- and the stories he, and the things yeah. that he has attached his whole life's work to all revolve around like. Exaggerated human emotion and uh, the well, cartoonification of Donald the human Trump experience. will tell you
2: that he borrowed a lot of the WWE's lessons right. during his presidential campaign. Because yeah. remember, yeah, he's in the, people don't he know a
1: cameo Trump, on there, too, right?
2: He's in the, the WWE. Nicknames, All the nickname of Fame. thing, yeah. He's in the WWE Hall yeah. of Fame. The nicknames, uh, exaggerated emotions like Jack just said, um, kayfabe, the entire idea of kayfabe for the listeners that don't kayfabe know, kayfabe
1: is. <laughs> Hey, Google I So kayfabe. good. You got know to break it down. Break go on, on Tron, go. What is K-Fabe? Explain that.
2: Okay. K-Fabe, for the listeners, uh, you, well, A, you should Google because I'm going to butcher, but it, that's K-A-Y-F-A-B-E. But it's just <laughs> this idea that everybody knows that wrestling is fake. Like, almost everybody knows that wrestling is fake. But you still watch it. You still be- want to believe uh, the drama that's happening. And you are still emotionally manipulated by the drama. Even though you know it's all fake. This is what And and this is the idea, like 90, 90 percent of reality is like this, though. It's like politics is largely kayfabe, like Democrats versus Republicans. Their platform's like 90% the same. They're never going to cut social security. They're all going to do defense spending. They, uh, you know, there's a couple of wedge issues, which they will disagree on. But a lot of that is just for, to be quite honest, for show. So they can win win reelection with their like really crowd. Yeah, with their front is so right? bass
1: right now. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Dude, I'm just like, yeah, 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 No, but like, we got ourselves, and
1: you know, he's dressed we were... up as this guy Bro, right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. What it, is right? Let's take
1: this you, out of context in a couple months. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trung was ready for war in this outfit right now. Don't Dude, watermark
0: like... this with a pumpkin or anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just let it run like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, right. Tron, I was also going to ask you about the heel turn or the heel character. Oh, yeah, yeah. Remember, we talked about that for ages. I love that.
2: Well, well, Jeff. will well, explain you, the, the explain. Well, let's the heel, explain yeah. what it is. A heel is a villain, right? Is the villain in a storyline, and it's just like anything. Villains turn into heroes. Heroes turn into villains. And people love. What you don't understand what WWE is. These guys are writing these stories like five years in advance, right? They're writing out five year narrative arcs. It's incredible. It is. That's why when you see, some, like, I have uh, friends that are. I used to watch WWE when I was in my teens, early oh, yeah. teens,
1: but best. I forgot yeah, me about too, it. Man.
2: But there are people Smackdown. 30, 40, Smackdown. 50 years of Smackdown. WrestleMania, <laughs> <Raw. with> <laughs> tables, <laughs> ladders, and chairs. What I like,
1: it just is it's incredible. With when Ducky, you zoom out, the boys, there's the Dully so boys. much, and like, the Hardy Boys, so much me-
0: mental uh, capacity still oh, man, reserved I love for WWE. Shawn WWE.
2: Michaels, I love that. When Shawn Michaels, Ooh. uh Shawn uh, portrayed his uh, with the Hardy, he was Hardy Boys, right?
1: I, I don't remember yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, anyways, guys. guys. I'm pretty sure. What well, the one thing I would just add to that is I tell you who gets the heel idea better than most right now: are the uh, Paul brothers and and the whole boxing world. Which mm-hmm. is funny that I even put them just in the boxing world because they're obviously not just boxing world, but they understand like Jake Paul versus Logan Paul, or when look at uh, like Mayweather, perfect example. He knows oh. what was. What did he used to say? Um. If you love me or hate me, you're still paying to watch me, or something along those lines, and that mm-hmm. was his strategy. And it's obviously oh, you know
2: what I love. That we're gonna, we're the not bank. done yet. We're not done. We are not done, people. We thought we were gonna do edge of the internet episode. We people understand. Like we went up. It's the WWE today we got episode. Up together. <laughs> we just like we're like, oh, what are we gonna talk about today? We're about to talk about thirty minutes about WWE, man, which we should have done a whole episode, anyways, right? Almost but, uh, should we should just
1: be calling F because we're OGs. JJ's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
2: yeah. we uh, let's talk about Muhammad Ali. One of mm. the great. You, you mentioned all these fighters; they're all aping after Muhammad Ali. No one understood how to make people watch them more oh, than Muhammad yeah. Ali, right? Oh, so he's good. a great rhyme creator. Absolutely, he was the lucky. great. The dude, thriller, one liners, man. right?
1: Can you imagine him in this era? Oh, my God.
2: Dude, but here's the thing. Guess where Muhammad Ali got all those things from? He himself was a massive fan of professional wrestling. He, a guy, was called Gorgeous George. Google Gorgeous George. It was a villain in 1960s professional wrestling. And Muhammad Ali's like, I learned everything I knew about trash talking from Gorgeous George. Because Gorgeous George would make people, like what Bilal said about Floyd Mayweather, whether you loved or hated Floyd Mayweather, you're paying to watch him. Gorgeous George was the same. Whether you loved or hated Gorgeous George, you were going to watch. Well, Muhammad Ali was largely a hero in the 70s because of what he did with, actually no, he was a villain, right? To half of America, he was a villain. Mm. when He uh, He refused
1: to go to Vietnam, Vietnam Vietnam,
2: People, I'm about to go on a fucking rant here. Okay, this is what you wanted. We're going on a rant. You know, you see all these athletes and celebrities and people that are, quote, unquote, making a stand in the year 2020. That they're like, they're going to speak out. And a lot of it is just pure virtue signaling. Muhammad (laughs) Ali, let me frame this for you. He was the world champion of boxing. He was in his prime. He knew that by the letter of the law, if he did not go to Vietnam, he would go to jail. He did not care. He said, I'm going to go to jail. I don't care. I got no, this is what he said. I ain't got no quarrel to Viet Cong. No Vietnamese person ever called me an N-word. That's what he said. He's like, my racial justice issue, well, I my, him. yeah, my fight is in here right now. I have brothers, brown brothers and black brothers are not being treated correctly in America. And he's like, I'm not going to Vietnam. Like, Muhammad Ali used to go to college campuses and argue with a bunch of Northeastern white liberal kids. He's like, he was an animal dude so my entire point is this no one will ever match Muhammad Ali no one was ever willing to give up more like this guy was willing and ready to go to prison for what he believed and you see and this is the most famous one of the most famous athletes in the world all these people nowadays they're all they're kayfabing it's all virtue signaling no one was willing to give it up like Muhammad Ali was and this is why he's the greatest of all time and ran
1: respect okay love it. Vietnamese <laughs> trunk coming through with some uh, some history some there history. as well, I love it, I'm love Muhammad, it. Yeah. Alright, let's move on to our agenda boys, let's get straight on to, I'm going to be sharing my screen here. Let's just share the one minute video because a lot of people okay. wouldn't have seen it, or um, some people wouldn't have seen it, so it's better not to ignore that. Uh, one second, share screen. So this is the 9 to 5 rant. I
0: know I'm probably just being so dramatic and annoying. But this is my first job, like my first nine to five job after college, and I'm in person, and I'm commuting in the city, and it takes me fucking forever to get there. There's no way I'm gonna be able to afford living in the city right now, so that's off the table. Like fucking duh! If I was able to walk to work, and it w- it'd be fine, but I'm not. So it literally takes me like I leave here, at, like I get on the train at 7:30, and I don't get home till like 6:15 earliest, and then like I don't have time to do anything. I don't. I want to shower. Eat my dinner and go to sleep. I don't have time or energy to cook by dinner either. Like, I don't have energy to work out. Like, that's out the window. Like, I'm so upset. Oh my God. Nothing to do with my job at all, but just like
2: the nine to five schedule in general. Is right, I think you guys crazy. get the idea. Yeah. So, Being in the yeah. Nine to five, like, can stop
1: was... to share. But that was, I mean, so, and I'll just read out what Jason, all in pod you know, investor in Silicon Valley got a, little, got a little stick for this. But he said, oh, princess, I'm sorry you had to commute and work and have a job and everything. It's like so extra, all right? So, I mean, this videos had probably, I don't know, but hundreds of millions of views probably by this point. If you take TikTok uh, and, you know, all the press that's been around there, it, it's been a massive talking point. It kind of feels like, remember that dress with people like, what color is the dress? It's that level of division I found. And so I'm curious. I mean, Jack, you also kind of tweeted about this. I don't know if we want to share this. Um, well, hold on. Sure- yeah, Before yeah, you on.
2: show Jack's tweet, let me add what you said go there. On. When you say division, there's two parts that are divided here. Yeah. Part one is the Jason from All In perspective. He's basically uh, roasting her for complaining about what last three generations since basically the nine to five corporate America has been instituted that everyone's done, right? So that's one side. The other side is people being like, like, again, our boy Adam Singer, who I know listens to this podcast, he was very much uh, in her uh, arena in the sense of like, you know what, commuting does suck. There have been many studies, and Adam has written about this, uh, uh, studies showing that commuting, I think there's a number, is like X amount of minutes a day of commuting over X amount of t- Y amount of time will actually decrease someone's life. So, I actually hate commuting, so I totally am empathetic to that. So, those are the two sides, right? It's like the nine to five is archaic. It is. It was meant for the farm. Uh, it was, was post farm, early corporate America factory life, right? And then there's the side of like, well, everybody's kind of done. it. Like, if you told immigrant parents about yeah. the nine to five, like, they literally, like, my old man, and I'm sure similar to you guys, old man, is like, nine to nine is like a good day. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, like, yeah, yeah. there's those two sides. So, here's Jack's thing. Uh, Jack, why don't you describe what you put up as a kind of response? How you feel uh, fall on those kind of spectrums?
0: Well, actually, when I listened to the again and after I posted it, I was like, I'm spreading a little bit of misinformation here because she, she's not actually she doesn't actually dislike her job. It sounds like she dislikes mm. commuting. Yeah, my well, take well, was I way more about. I felt
1: it was not just commute. I felt like she's kind of talking about. I don't know, maybe she wasn't specific to about the job, but I think it was the whole thing. She experience. does call it out. Yeah. Yeah.
0: She calls it out and said, if I didn't have to commute, it'd be fine, or whatever. But my oh, okay, the thing that I wrote was way more about like most nine to fives are a product of just ridiculous bureaucracy and administrative functions. Like if you look at those charts of like American healthcare, you've seen that chart, right? Of like the amount of administrative staff and cost that is inflating over the course of the last 30, 40 years, middle management, box ticking, blah, 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 blah. So my, my point was way more about that. And then the other thing I think I thought after I wrote that was being able to describe your job by the number of hours between which you show up to do it is like, a very depressing idea, right? Like the first thing that comes out of your mouth is I have a nine to five, now I do X. And I think that is indicative of the problem is like you, you people aren't, or we, we just haven't structured the world in a way where people are pursuing something with like a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, it's just, like, I'm doing this to learn this or to become this, like to to garner this skill. Like corporate culture just puts you in this I can completely empathize with this idea of coming out of college landing in this environment and being like shit this is all there is.
1: Yeah. That yeah, is Yeah, I like the distinction and thanks for calling it out cuz I yeah I didn't realize that. No, that isn't on, very important like distinction, I've even right? yeah, I've 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 even grown to
0: contradict myself around the things that I you know when I was 16 17 thinking about going to university and the things that I could have studied versus I did study you know, like the, the liberal arts, the philosophy, the like less tangible practical applications of like education, writing those off as opposed to like getting a marketing degree or something like that. Cause we, the week before this, there was a marketing thing went viral. Did you see that? No, what, what the girl on TikTok that said, I've been applying for jobs for oh, three yeah, weeks yeah, yeah. and I can't get a job in marketing. And, and I've done the work. The starting right, salary. I've, yeah. Right, right, right. The starting salary is 60 grand or whatever instead of 200 grand. And it's just like, uh, again, my first visceral reaction to that is like, that's dumb, just keep trying. But the the bigger problem, or if you zoom out and look at it, it's like the fact that it even you can pay 60 grand to get knowledge that isn't worth fucking 60 bucks is the problem, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, Yo, yeah, 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 yeah. That That's the is issue. The
2: next graphic. Yeah, dude, that is something <laughs> Balaji would say. We're talking about our boy Eric was on the podcast last week. Wait, that what you just said is literally something that Balaji would say.
1: <laughs> it's. I mean, it's a. It's a. Mad Jack, to clarify, is this sorry? She paid sixty grand. You're saying, or is she saying the starting salary was sixty? Oh, more than that. Clarify? More than, no, than for that. Her, probably. She for a degree. For a degree,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. She didn't. That's she didn't use any numbers around what she spent, but she went to school in the States. So she's in multiple five figures of debt. I'm imagining if not six. And she said she worked in a sushi restaurant and that makes her more money than an entry-level marketing job.
1: That was it. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and that's the, that's the contrast. And
0: like, yeah, the only way to learn marketing is to do marketing, right? It's like, there's the Balaji quote in that book that we should have brought Eric up on the, the, um, like an M- the MBA to learn how to do business is like fuck something to do with riding a bike, the quote. I need to pull the quote up. It's, oh, it's it like up. Yeah, a yeah, very, yeah. very poignant specific yeah. Comparison between these two these two but, ideas. Yeah. But that 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 illusion that you come out of school with experience in a field like that is actually incredibly harmful. Like you're probably yeah. better off having a psychology degree and then going into a marketing job where you can actually think about what marketing is from first principles versus learning shit from people who've never had, never worked in marketing. Most likely if you go to like, I'm sure if you go to a top tier school, you get people visiting from, but if you're like the, the median marketing education is not churning people out who are good at marketing. Well, it's the same,
2: right? If uh, those, you, those who you can not do teach, that's the chirp that people make of uh. A lot of uh, professors, uh, which isn't. Hey, it's not all true. I've had some good professors in my life. Yeah, same.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. It's I mean,
2: it's a, yeah,
0: it's not a great. It's not a great set of incentives, like altogether, right? It's just like even if you want to practice medicine, you go and do these. You have to go and work in a hospital for a year or two or whatever else. So, like a lot of schools do have it right, where. Do your internship. Yeah, well, medicine you learn for several years and then
1: you do it in the hospital and then you specialize. But, no, but I think so, just while you're pulling that up, to to break this down into two parts one is the nine to five kind of discussion around Gen Z. And I think Gen Z is a part of this because it is about kind of a promise. And like this promise for a generation, we had our own version of a promise, American Dream, whatever you want to call it. Theirs is slightly different. They also had a pretty rough time with. COVID like a lot of them were going through university that once in a lifetime experience and doing it on zoom right so like there are a lot of things and then outside That's that the grim. financial state we're in so I'll just quickly share uh, what i she thought. for and sorry actually sorry the second part was what you just said about education system essentially around are we actually churning out what is needed for an economy slash is education really just about um Learning something so you can go do a job, or is there you know more to education like you described before? So just to, I'll say what when I watched that video, my initial reaction was kind of like the gut reaction, which a lot of people would have had is like, all right, stop complaining. Like you know we've all been through it, whatever. And I took a second and I realised like, okay, first of all, I don't know what's going on in this girl's life, right? Like it's kind of I shouldn't be judging her. Like it sounds like she's just moaning, but like there's a lot going on here. Do you know what I mean? Go on, Jack. What are you gonna say? I was just going to interject and say both of these
0: people are incredible marketers. They just don't realize
1: it, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. They probably learned something at uni either way. But um, but just to add to that, I was, uh, you know, I realized that, okay, we've all had that kind of moment where you go to work and whether it was like your first day at work or five years in, like I can just describe mine. I had a pretty good ramp into work life and I was enjoying myself. And at one point I realized like, oh shit, this is what... I thought it was going to be like, and that doesn't exist or like, or it exists, but it's outside of what I'm currently doing. I need to leave or whatever. And so that was, there is this like moment of clarity where you're like, oh, I was promised this thing. And so I'd say a lot of this younger generation, they've been told, follow the rules, go to university, kind of what we were told, like learn some skills then you'll be able to get a job and then you'll be able to afford your rent and maybe one day you'll be able to buy a house, all those things. Now we can break each one of those bullet points down and say, do we really need to live in a world where everyone can buy a house or not? Is that really a right anymore? Is it just really you need shelter? And then you can say, should you be able to earn six figures out of college or is it just like you need to work your way up there? So you can break that down. But I will say, I think a lot of the responses to Jason were like, like, this isn't it, Jason. Like, this is like a young person. You're like someone who's very, you know, successful in many ways. You haven't, the community note says Jason hasn't had a, a nine to five job since 1990 something. Or it was a funny thing there. Um So I, I think both reactions are completely valid. But uh that's kind of how I thought about it after a while. And so i asked ask you guys, like, what what did you think? Beyond what you said, Jack, Trung, was there anything else you, you thought initially when you saw that as well?
2: I love how Jack teased it out. There's a the, the commuting part and the job part. Uh, and the commuting part is actually related to, like, the work-from-home argument, right? It's the idea, listen, if you can walk to work, you're basically working from home. As in the sense, if you can walk to work and you can, like, come in and out of the office, that's effectively the same as working from home, right? Uh, in the sense of, like, you don't have to block off a 10-hour part of your day to be away, from the things that you want to do, right? She's talking about working out. I guess spending time with their friends, whatever. I get that, man. Uh, I, I, I but I also love how you framed it. You're talking about there's a day we've talked about me working at Scotia Bank. That right? banky. Yeah, I was gonna like, say <laughs> there's a day when you're doing your job when you're just like, oh, this is not for me, right? Obviously, in a number of jobs I've done, that was like apparent within the first couple of days, um, but. uh, yeah, man, I she's right. Uh but I I totally do get the other side though. It's like, man, you guys know how hard your parents worked, right? Like, I know what my parents had to do uh in North America as refugees. And uh and maybe it's not fair, right? The whole point is that you're every generation is supposed to get better. Uh every generation is supposed to have a better, like, head start. Um but uh, it's like we talked about David Goggins last week. You know, Stay. you gotta be hard, right? It's like you Stay need the me- you gotta be mentally. You have to have calluses in your brain. Like you have to have calluses, right? And uh, you've been listening to this at the to gym
1: too. Easy, this uh, like, David Goggins with Rocky in the background. Is this what you've been listening? to?
2: Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. That's what I've been doing. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I'll tell you what is um, as we were talking about, which is I mean, this is getting a little bit into the sadder side, but you. Guys, we talked about it. Matthew Perry passed away, sadly, from Friends. Um, yeah. Uh, but there's right, a part Pete. of that story, which is extremely sad, right? Is that he wanted to be fan- – well, let me preface all this by saying I'm a huge Friends of fan. I'm a fans of Friends. I watched Likewise, all yeah. of it in the late 90s. Me, my brother, my sisters, like, some of the happiest moments, like, watching TV being like, pure, pure laughter, pure happiness, right? Like Chandler's got Chandler oh, and Joey, best. that duo, incredible. Yeah. Right? That
1: friendship. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But the 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 sad part of the story is, and he released a book last year. I haven't read the book, but I've seen excerpts. He got so famous so early and he's not the only one this happens to with famous people. He has so much money. Uh, and he just, you can go, there's this idea of like, what is your purpose in life? Right. Like he had so much money, didn't really have to do anything. He could have just never done. And he and you can do stuff like drink and do drugs your life away. And he talks about it openly, right? He became he over ten. He spent nearly ten million dollars on rehab for himself, right? And uh, and you you saw photos of him in the past few years. He never really looked healthy. Yeah, he got and
1: addicted to what it painkillers or something? Painkillers, like yeah, yeah. Pain, Vicodin. If I could, um, um, down
2: alcoholic, he said he didn't remember the last three years of filming friends. Yeah. Crazy. Right. That's wild, I mean, he got, yeah. he got clean. Uh, but there's also this sense. And the reason I bring it up is this. There's two extremes, right? It's like the extreme of the antiquated, antiquated nine to five system where it is, it is, it is a little bit archaic, right? You like Jack says, you don't need these, all these administrators sitting in office for 10 hours a day. But the I other want, side look, of I it don't too. Wanna... Wait, go ahead, Jack.
0: No, I don't want to carry on. I'll do I'll say after you.
2: No, I was just gonna say the other side of it too is as we're entering in a world, I mean, we're gonna talk about AI in a bit. You know, there's this whole idea about UBI, right? Oh, if AI is gonna do everything. Universal
1: basic it, income for yeah, people who don't
2: Universal know, yeah. basic income, every per uh, AI is gonna do so much wealth, income, sorry, <laughs> right? Is that everybody, universal basic income, everybody's gonna get whatever. The idea is that universal basic income, there's going to be so much surplus wealth created that nobody will have to work. But here's the problem. If you don't have to work, the extreme of it is look at what happened to Matthew Perry, who himself will say this is what happened, right? He never got married, never had kids. And uh, and not to say that he didn't have purpose in life. He spent a lot of the, the past decade helping other alcoholics, right? He said that he found the most joy he's ever had in his life was Uh, if somebody came to him, is like, I have an alcohol problem. Matt's like, I can try to help you break that. Right. So like, but the whole point is that that's an extreme where if you have nothing, right, if there is no structure, if you have nothing to uh, a forcing function, it can also go really bad. Definitely. So I don't know what you guys feel about that is like, that was something I was thinking about reading about Matthew Perry, because it is really sad. This guy had everything, literally everything. And he himself said it wasn't enough. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. he had everything that we think you was, would want. I think he had right, the life right, in right. your early 20s you think you would want, right? Yeah. Fame, access to the most beautiful women in the world. Uh, never had to work. So minted. But did he actually have everything, right? I think that's the question.
1: Yeah. And Jack, what do you remember? What you were going to say before? Before we answer what he just said there, because you you sort of you
0: sort of went into it. Trung, this idea of the ability to do your job from home, especially at the beginning of your career, to me feels like an indicator that you are not far away from being replaced by a script of some description. Makes sense. It's like you're literally you're you're keylogging. You're able to do something without being physically present. There's something about that that just like prefaces your automation out of the in out of the organization. Versus you don't have like the human is what
2: you're saying. You're not doing the human interaction, which is that what? and your
0: and your input is literally, yeah, just keystrokes into a computer. That's which a great is like, framing. Yeah. Something's gonna be trained on that eventually. And like there are things that the intangibles of, you know, Bilal will know this well as well, the like politics within an organization. Like I always had a like cavalier attitude towards that at the beginning of my career. When you get to like a little bit further, it's like, no, you, like you're stuck here until you figure out how this person like unlocks yeah. the door to the next place. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, that's the argument. That, that's also the boomer argument, right. Of the like, you need to be in office and build relationships and do this, this, and this. And I'm like, that's how I came up as well. So I might be talking out my ass. I don't know. Maybe there is like a future where everybody can just work through a laptop and build. No, I think a lot stuff. of people,
2: Jack, are, are with you. I think you look at a lot of these companies that are rolling back work from home. Uh, I mean, people made a great point. It's like, if if you're in a fully work remote work environment, you're not dude, how about how much learning happens actually happens in person for a lot of jobs, right? Just those, those 30 minutes at the cooler where a guy 10 years ahead of you just fucking downloads information into you, mm-hmm. right? Like it's not for every job. Like clearly for me, I don't want or need that, but for a lot of rules, that's exactly what you're describing is is necessary. That's why all these companies are, dude, Work from home, like 24-7 work from home, that was a ZERP policy, man. It was like labor had the power, labor had control, but it's like there's certainly middle ground, but I totally see the value of these companies saying, no, 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 you're going to be in the office. And, uh, and I would not and, and, that's not for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's also the, the quality of the time people have in that environment too. Like I commute, like... Commuting in New York for an hour to an office, like the odd day working from home was good, but like I used to have a very good time at work, and that's like made it uh,
1: worthwhile. Yeah,
0: yeah, Yeah. it was fun. It was like like you made like you met lifelong friends at work. Like they were you spend so much time with people that they're like you're yeah you spend a lot of time working and not working with the same people, and uh, that's also you know I don't know what graph I'm referencing here, but the epidemic of people not finding a partner, not having friends out, like not building friendships, like that really has been a bridge to like your adult life for a very, very long time. And just literally cutting it off is a is a is also a really sharp way to change behavior. You know, like when I came to New York, if I was working from home in an apartment in New York and I just moved there from the UK, for example, I would oh. like you just be an island. You know not like my whole social infrastructure, safety net network, like all the people that I worked for after my first job were like tangentially connected to being there. Like
1: in person, that's, yeah.
0: like often that's how like startups work too, right? It's like somebody from Google, for example, is like, oh, I'm bouncing. I'm going to start this thing up. And there's like three people they'll hire that they work with like previously yeah. in their careers. And maybe that will be the case for people that are working on Discord or Slack with people that they've never worked with in person. There's a huge amount of irony in me saying this because what I do now, like anybody I work
1: with does not like work and us three physically. who record this podcast have never been in the same right. room together All exactly. three of us So <laughs> exactly. i think we're kind of proving the point here that is a bit of both but it is
0: i guess you think like the frame i'm trying to present is like when you're starting out like some of the things you observe in person feel to me like uh or felt to me as like very influential but if that's not the structure of the the of work going forward then maybe that stuff doesn't matter as much yeah. anymore
1: well, the one thing that's, that's really well put. The, the couple of things I wanted to add on that is um, is like zooming out a little bit. I think the, the other point here is like millennials, we were kind of like the generation that just kind of accepted what was being told to us as well. Like every generation did that before, but we were the first generation that got exposure to the internet early. We saw the world before the internet. So we were kind of this bridge where we were like, oh, we're starting to see new ways of doing things. But we're also being told, oh, suck it up, turn up at the office, go nine to nine, do do the, put in the work that you need to put in. And most of us kind of sucked it up for most of the time. And now we're kind of passing it on to the next generation. And this is the first generation that's actually saying, oh, we don't actually want to do... What, they're kind of rebelling, which this is, is actually kind of... Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're like, it's bollocks. They're like, well, wait a minute, we don't actually want to do that anymore. And th- it's not just in work. Like, there's many other things that they've actually been kind of vocal about. And a part of me is like, oh, good for them for actually vocalizing something that we all just kind of accepted. And that whole thing of like, oh, I did it, so you have to do it. And that's exactly what we all don't want to do, right? Like, we all said... Like, why should someone now have to be an assistant for five years when they can actually just go and start learning from day one because they're smart enough to do that? Like, just because you did it, it doesn't mean someone else should do it either. Um, So but there's a bit of both in that, obviously. And the the second thing I want to add is what you talked about there, Jack, about that learning in person stuff. To me, a lot of this is like what stage of your career you're in. Right. And so like there's the early stages, you're kind of like learning. That's really what you're being paid for. Like you've been paid a small amount, but you're learning the most. Then you get to next stage where you're like that's where you earn probably the most right where you can monetize your actual skills you've developed and after Mm -hmm. that you can either go and retire or go give back or whatever or you can just kind of coast because you've already got to a certain stage so i think for me the earlier stage that's where it matters the most it's like you do need to suck it up a little bit more because that you're not being paid for your Nine to five, even you're being paid yourself in like learning something that can actually take you to the next level. But that's not for everyone. That's probably for people like listen to this pod who are more like higher achieving than the average person and are into like technology and internet stuff, right? So it's very different to just someone who wants to live their life and, you know, have a kid and like podcast, live their peaceful yeah, life. I totally well, agree. We, I was I, just going
2: to say our podcast listeners are definitely, uh, I, I feel they're looking I for learning and, and looking for investment advice. And,
0: uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I was going to say the, uh, there's some, if I'm being completely candid, there's some accountability that comes with being in a place with other people, you know, like for spending more time doing your work. Like I, you're not dicking around 70% of the day with the TV <laughs> on in the background Going to the fridge every twenty minutes. Like
1: I would like, say, the Google office was definitely a little. De- I'm not gonna lie, that was no, definitely a I'm, lot. Of but I'm hanging in the mini kitchen. I guess maybe, <laughs> maybe, um, maybe <laughs> no, I'm no, off on that right, front, you're though. Right, you're like, right, you're right.
0: being in a work environment where it's like you do not behave the way you behave at home. At when home, you're of course, a, you've got complete freedom. When you're yeah. in an office with people looking at your screen, and the just like the amount of repetition that is forced through being in that environment is, is a faster like compounding curve. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The one example, like the one like standout example I had of this, there's this post-production house in New York's called the mill. And they do like the most ridiculously complex CGI commercial advertising, all that kind of stuff. You go in their office. It was in Soho. I don't know where it is now. There's like a hundred workstations in there. They're all facing one direction. You get off the elevator and you look Harris in there. and Cafe. Every single person. <laughs> there's no Facebook. There's no YouTube. There's just every single person is like cinema 4D just that grinding factory land, out, <laughs> bro. The that's factory. beautiful.
1: Man.
2: There we
0: go. It was so. And profound it's one overlord like, just
1: watching them all to make sure yeah, they're so not some, on Facebook. Yeah.
0: The guy that's walking around the doing the tour that I was on was like, "Here's how we work in here. This is what's getting done." And maybe like that's coming from me. It didn't have not necessarily didn't have intrinsic motivation, but there's some um, well-documented theory that you try harder when somebody's watching you than when they're not.
1: That's why there's a cuck even on, chair, bro. Even in some... E- <laughs> sorry, <Yeah>. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cool back there. Well, That's that would be true too, Here I'm we... sure.
2: <laughs> Yo, the pressure, the we pressure go. is on, son. That's it.
1: That hotel, for the people who didn't see the episode, the hotel chair facing the bed, we don't know what else is there for, except for it being a cock chair. But anyway... But well, no, by it's... the way,
0: well, I'm going to say one more thing. that The... the uh there's some tweet that went viral maybe under that video or something but it was like gen z work to live not live to work yeah. that's the that's that the that
1: european living stone yeah.
0: on the gen z you know whatever mantle yeah. crest whatever you want to call it that is the motto so it. it's like that that the motto? facebook basically erased Erase everything I just said and yeah. just put that back at the start of the segment.
1: <laughs> and there Definitely. we go.
2: You, you guys want to know? I know Bilal. Bilal, you've been to the full moon party, right? Yeah, in yeah. In Thailand?
1: Kopenyang. Yeah, yeah. Yo,
2: you remember the sign there, though? Jack's thing? It's very different than what Jack's talking about. Though. The sign goes, it's the perfect night a perfect night. I don't think I remember a sign, to be honest.
1: It's the perfect night
2: for a perfect night. What does it know, say? Say that
1: again. Say that again. It's
2: the, the perfect night for a perfect night. Oh, there we and go. And you know. That shit that goes down at oh, the yeah. full moon party.
1: <laughs> I was uh, staying in a hostel at that stage, so by the time I got there, it was already very was that was that fuzzy. was that
2: before or after the Heidi Klum Halloween party?
1: It was maybe a, a year or two <laughs> after. So I was trying to relive my eighteen-year-old oh, wow. backpacker life, but as a twenty-five-year-old okay, or twenty-four-year-old. Yeah, you
2: know what? We we got man. It's a meat. This this look how meaty this episode got. Yeah, just, just out one of topic. yeah so let's let's you know what we're getting pretty serious let's talk about new yorker versus hassan minaj
1: yeah okay let's do it so um trung do you want to break this down because i mean i can just share what i remember from seeing the original hassan minaj kind of uh like new yorker piece or you probably know better because i know you've been speaking to some sources related to this so well i'll
2: just like full caveat uh I work with Hassan on a daily show segment seven Respect. months ago. So you take that with a grain of salt of, uh, of whatever bias you believe I might have. Which
1: is also incredible, by the way, that this one went yeah. under the radar. You, you just slipped that in, into our chat at one point. Yeah, I was like,
2: what? For people, uh, what happened what happens, you probably know at this point, if you follow that, that uh, Trevor Noah is no longer the host of daily show. Yeah, yeah. He brought in a bunch of guest hosts. Um, uh, Hassan hit me up uh, to do a segment about financial grifters, and you just uh, I... know each
1: other from Twitter. Is that is that where you met? Yeah,
2: just uh, Twitter, uh, the interwebs. Amazing. But uh, over the summer, it looked like uh, Hassan was going to become the new host of the Daily Show, and uh, the writer strike happened, which we talked about on the uh, on this podcast. And it sounds like, according to reporting from Puck News, because I never talked to Hassan about this uh, these recent developments, um, uh, it looked like they were withholding the announcement until the writer strike was over, which makes sense, right? A lot of writers on the show. So last month, uh, I don't know if you guys read this, but I know that we exchanged that. I, uh, a piece came out from The New Yorker where they had interviewed Hasan Minaj, and uh, Hasan had said that some of his stand-up uh, specials he had fabricated some of the stories. Now, I want to get Bilal's uh, 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 view on this because I know Bilal follows comedy and the yeah. comedy scene quite closely. So this is, I'm going to give you the objective facts from the article, which Hassan himself has greenlit. Yeah. Okay? So uh, there's a story about anthrax that Hassan had said uh, he thought anthrax had uh, 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 was sent to his house. There was factually true there was a white potter sent to his house uh, in the, in the up, he said that it had fallen on his daughter and they took her to the ER. That turned out the ER part turned out not to be true. The second thing that was brought up in this article also from his recent comedy special was that he was a uh, uh, part of a Muslim community in California where he grew up that was infiltrated by the federal, the FBI. And that uh, basically the, the FBI was trying to flip, Muslims, right? Or try to get them to show if they're a quote-unquote extremists. Something we along We all had lines. one of
1: those guys in the mosque. That's why I'm yeah. smiling. So,
2: well, Bilal, so let me ask you, right? <laughs> so those two stories, they were not word for word true. Yeah. He had said, he quoted, this is what people were roasting him on. Yeah, yeah. He said it was emotional truth versus, versus factual truth. But here's the key part. The reason this is an issue, and before I hand this over to Bilal, is this. For most comedians, like do I believe every story that Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle said word for word? Of course not, right? Well, definitely not that know? Dave
1: Chappelle kid the baby on the corner, bro. Yeah, That's definitely right? not.
2: There's a Dave Chappelle has a whole bit about a baby on a corner dealing crack, right? Dealing like, crack, yeah. It's like the whole point is like you know you're hey, doing this for the joke, right? But the 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 issue that came out with Hassan and he, he uh, the the here's the here's the the uh, the whole point of this. I'm bearing the lead last week, Hassan had recorded his entire interview with this New Yorker reporter and it turned out that she had misconstrued quite a yeah, few things. Yeah, you brought the quotes. receipts. You got to yeah, love he that. You brought the receipts. But the issue that he had to address was this. The Daily Joe, the Daily Show job, which Jon Stewart had made into an institution, was about speaking truth to power, right? And that is a news political commentary show. In that type of show, truth the factual truth comes before emotional truth, right? Whereas, it comes before
1: comedy, even. Like, yeah, Like, yeah, It's comedy. about like saying it it's in a about smart way. The yeah. facts.
2: Hassan has storytelling comedy, which is his Netflix, spe- no, his stand up specials. But he also had the Patriot Act, which is like the Daily Show. That's a newsy bit. So he was putting emotional truth in front of factual truth for his stand up. So, blah. I'm going to hand this to you because everything I've said, yeah. hey, you know, you have a Muslim background, that story you laughed about, like having yeah. the infiltration of the federal agents, like that's not even a joke, right? Like that was a yeah, thing. Yeah,
1: that definitely happened. Well, and so, just really quickly, a third story I think was about his, uh, prom, uh, yeah, date, like, his being, prom date.
2: His prom date said no to him basically because of racism. Her yeah, parents and it was racist. about a
1: family apparently had said something at the door. And, and so again, that came out that he basically... Rebutted. He
2: changed the timeline Yeah But it turned out But that again The
1: tr- emotional truth was there In yeah. yeah And so, so I'll just share my opinion On all of this Because first yeah. of all I'm, I've been a fan of Hassan For a long time I think it's Like his comedy is very unique It's definitely not like The style of comedy That I'm like Oh he's just a pure comedian In terms of like Oh, funny, to be funny is funny. Like there's certain comedians where like Athea Vaughn, Andrew Schultz, those guys, like anything they say, I, I know they're just making a joke. Like Hassan is in the middle where it is like, uh, you know, there's a message coming through, which I've always respected. And so when I did read the New Yorker article, I was actually a little disappointed because the way they framed it, it made him out to be kind of, as he described, a bit of a psycho, right? Like who, in yeah. as he said, who lies about their kid getting anthrax put on them. Because if you just read that headline, you're like, wait a minute, that's a bit weird. But now a lot of the people reading that don't realize that 99% of comedians, probably 100% of comedians are exaggerating for storytelling and for comedic effect, obviously, right? Like that's, their job is to be funny and their job is to be storytellers and entertainers. So 100% of them pretty much are making stories up or or like adding embellishment for comedic effect. So that's just kind of out the way. So he's not like, he's not dissimilar to every other comedian out there. So I think a lot of people just don't realize that, first of all. Secondly, I think the part that became a little blurry for him was because, like you said, he's got the political stuff as well as just stand-up special. One part I would challenge him on a little bit is like his comedy specials are partly political in a way too, right? Like, because you are talking about these themes. So there is a bit more gray area. But still, regardless, the way he came out and basically Hassan minhaj the whole thing with the slides, basically, you know, on the screen. Well, why
2: don't you explain the video? It's 21 minutes. Yeah. And I he watched it the other night. Beat, it was great. Right? He, like, yeah. he recorded the entire conversation with the New Yorker reporter. And basically, so the first thing he did was he demonstrated that the story about the prom date, he's like, well, we actually gave them corroborating evidence to show that the framing they had was actually and they just untrue.
1: chose to ignore it, basically. Yeah. Yeah, so they it felt chose like a hit to ignore it. from the outside by this point, right? Like totally, they were picking and choosing. Like I mean, anyone writing a story does that, but it just feels a little unnecessary to be doing that to someone, like you know, unless there's a ulterior motive. Like, and again, I'm just thinking out loud here, but if he's got probably one of the people that might be up for this big job, right? Like, dude, that's big, right? right? There that, could be okay. something there too.
2: Well, wow, you nailed it. So, I think you brought up two very important points. His stand-up specials, they are, they do have a political taste. It's not just the uh the the news work that he does with Daily Shore Patriot Act, right? His stand-up itself sends messages about yeah. you know race, about power structure. Which is
1: amazing. that which is which is powerful as well.
2: Totally. But to your like what we're discussing, that's where there's this gray area. And he himself acknowledges that he even says, like, I need to be more careful understanding that. But I think the main point here is this. The timing of this piece is so obvious that the New Yorker was carrying water for a competing candidate, right? It's just so obvious. How many other uh, deep dives have they done on comedy acts, right? How many comedy acts has the New Yorker, with all its social and political capital, because the New Yorker people remember this is one of the august institutions in uh, American media. This is the this is the uh, magazine that took down Harvey Weinstein, right? So like they have serious investigative resources, legal, fact-checking, all the reporting. Why would you seek this power and your reputation which it turns out based on the recordings that Hassan put out was completely misconstrued to look like a hit piece. Definitely cherry-picking you, at least, right? Like yeah. Why would you do that? Like
1: yeah. If I'd not, love to get them to answer that. Yeah, that not not would be for
2: a political favor for a competing candidate at Comedy Central. Honestly, right? Because this rule, Comedy Central, and it still is influential. Cable's going downhill, as we talked about. But hey, that seat gets paid fifteen to twenty million a year. Trevor Noah made seventeen million dollars a year in his last year. That is a very lucrative seat yeah. with a still large audience, right? Um, the liberal liberal audience too. So, my whole question is like. Eh? You know, Hassan acknowledges it. He's like, listen, I, I come off as like Bilal said, I come off as a psycho. He said it in his video. If you just read that piece, that yeah. individual looks like a sociopath. Yeah. Right? But there's a The problem is where- so
1: many people have only watched that, uh, read that and now not watched his video. Like yeah. everything in today's world where there's just this massive gap. Like 95% of people are never going to watch that video. Where he clarifies, and forever they're going to have this one-liner about him, like he lied about exactly. his kid having anthrax on him, and so that that is now. I will say to him, it sounds like he's probably learned his lesson in a way to say, even if he didn't necessarily do anything wrong, in the future he'll probably be a little bit more careful with some of those things. Which well, is fair here's enough, a larger question. Yeah, yeah,
2: here's the thing, because Daily Show is still old media, right? It's still the old. It's still the old establishment. Let's compare it to David Poitner from Barstool Sports, who does not give an F about old media. He's not asking for them to crown him or give yeah. him any validation. What did he do last month when the Washington Post tried to put out a hit piece on him? He posted a video on X that got 50 million views two days before the Washington Post article came out. He got ahead he of it. Right. Posted the recording with the journalist. And he outed them. He's like, you guys are trying to do a hit piece on me. I I have an email in front of me that you sent to one of my sponsors and advertisers for this pizza festival that I'm putting on. And he just put that journalist on the spot, completely neutered it. So, I also love
1: that he was putting on a pizza festival. Dude, so good. I, <laughs> <laughs> one by everybody knows I'm, the rules. And...
2: right? So like that, that, the article from the Washington Post, Well, here, no, none of those magazines or newspapers wrote about how he raised $50 million for small businesses during COVID. They didn't care, right? He is an enemy in their eyes. He doesn't bow. He doesn't bend the knees. So he needs to be taken out. Hassan found himself in a similar situation. I'm guessing that they didn't, I mean, they clearly have the, they had the tape. And they have the production ability, right? Like his video is so good. Like like Bilal said, he Hassan Minaj, the Hassan Minaj hit piece, right? Yeah. He's just like he total Patriot really well. Act style, right? Yeah. They have those resources, and you know, I wish they had done it. I wish they had gone ahead of the story, uh, they because they knew what was coming, uh, because they had spoken, uh, The New Yorker had spoken to people in and around him. Uh, unfortunate, man, is like The New Yorker did him dirty. That's the end. Of Tldr. Of, yeah. Yeah, why, yeah. why wasn't this thing done on the other candidates? Where are the comedy deep dives on all the other candidates?
1: Yeah, I think at least within a piece about Hassan, they should have talked about other comedians do this in terms of That's embellishment a great point. and how it would be different. I would kind of respect the writing a lot more if they did that. And I don't think they did that from what I remember reading. Jack, any thoughts on this, mate? You, I know you're a fan of comedy this is a as well game. and they you're going creative go guy. So. Yeah,
2: Jack, yeah, I was
0: what just going to bring up the... Portnoy example, yeah. He like he's in a tough spot because he's sort of toeing the line between the two. Feels like you can't. Oh, Hassan, uh, you mean yeah. yeah Hassan yeah. is. Yeah, you Jewish. can't come out at it like like Portnoy does, but he did it he, under the circumstances, did the best like defensive maneuver possible. And Bilal's point is great too, around whose mind is actually going to be changed. Yeah. Like the the problem he has, I think, is that piece, like, directly addressed the people that listen to him and respect him. Versus Portnoy, you're talking to people who already don't like him. Like any traditional media outlet writing about Portnoy is talking to people who already made their mind up about oh, that's a good point, Portnoy. So
2: oh, yes, a totally is actually, dynamic. normally
1: kind of a darling of the left in a way as well, yes. right? And right. a lot of. You know, people that might read some. Though uh, New York Post is its own thing, so I don't. It's not like the New York Times. It is it's a very different. No, New Yorker, crowd New Yorker, New 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 Yorker is bad. very.
2: You're right, but Jack, oh, sorry, that's a great bad. point. Yeah. Like that is that is a. I mean, New Yorker is. One of the, I mean, it's up there with the New York Post. Sorry, kind of yeah, I have for some
1: reason just changed it in my head to New York Post, which yeah. is obviously very different. If but it yeah. was a New York Post yeah.
2: writing that, like Hassan would be totally chill, man. He'd be oh, totally yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> but uh, what one thing I'd say about Portnoy is that it kind of helps. That he's got a couple hundred million in the bank, you know. Like that's another, another part <laughs> of this. Like I'm sure Hassan is doing really well for himself, but there is a difference when you're still playing that game. And again, like I don't think I've heard a lot of Hassan's um, podcast. I think he's great on podcast. I would love to have him on this podcast, obviously, to talk about a lot of this business stuff, because he's actually very smart in that way. Um, but he really is quite forward thinking in a lot of the stuff he's doing. Like if you hear him talk about it, um, but I, it, I still feel like he's a kind of, if there's a line of like a business person on one side and a pure creative on the other, Though I would argue, like a creative, you need to be creative to be a business person in many ways. But just in a traditional sense, he probably is closer to a pure artist versus just like a business person. So that like soul of what he does, like you can hear it in the way he describes his work. The way even when he describes in his twenty-one minute video, he's talking about the devices he's using as a comedian, like behind the scenes sort of stuff, and like the setup, the punchline, blah blah blah. And and so you you can sense that like. For someone to really crit- criticize that process would really hurt, right? Because you're not, because um, you're, you're you're getting into stuff that isn't black and white in the first place. That like, that process isn't. Oh, here's a right way to do comedy. There, there's multiple ways of doing it. So, yeah, I'll, I'll just say, yeah, it's sad to see that happen. I obviously don't know him personally. Hopefully, he's. I I think he'll be okay because I think there'll be enough people that follow him that's still supporting him. Uh, but I think it would probably hurt his chances now of getting that big seat.
2: Oh, yeah, just to confirm, like, it, it sounds like he is officially out of that running, according to reporting. Again, mm-hmm. I haven't spoken specifically about yeah, yeah. this, but what I will say is, I mean, maybe this is one of, like, we always talk about, this is why we talk about Joe Rogan on this show, right? Like, the uncancelable. It's like, when you still, that's the thing, right? If you, I mean, Jack is like, when Jack has two feet in both worlds, it's hard to straddle, right? It's like, yeah. You you're still at the whim of old of this old guard that we, we often talk about. And uh yeah, man, it was what a weird, what a weird situation, dude. It's, it was a very NIA type story. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, do you just go completely solo or still almost everything we talk about, right? Is like even this nine to five stuff we talked about. Well, very similar in the sense of like even just us, right? All of us remember working nine to five. I'd be scared to post anything on social media when I was working on five, right? Literally, like, Anything. I didn't want people thinking that. A even the most benign thing, you might think your boss or your coworker might care, right? And like
1: you have to think through a lot more around.
2: Yeah, unplugging what you're doing, yourself
1: but, from it. But I would. I'm curious. Like I would say, Hassan is at that level now. Like he's at a pretty high level. There's he's in the top. You know, 1% he's of top, comedians, top tier, right? Yeah. Like, of, of that level of, you know, he did the, what is that? The, um, with uh, the White president, House White House White correspondent. House. He's like, there's only a few comedians I've ever done that. So, like, and he's a very talented guy. Uh, I was actually, funnily enough, not a massive fan, but I was listening to the Tucker Carlson on Theo Vaughn this morning. And I, I listened, for, uh, I only listened to 10 minutes uh, walking in the park. First of all, I was kind of surprised, like, it was all jokes up front. And, I, and I'm not a massive Tucker fan, but I do appreciate. You know, he's. It's. I kind of want to know what's behind the character. Was he was
2: he throwing some good jokes? He
1: was throwing some. I mean, he was joking I'm gonna, around with dude, Theo. I'm adding
2: this. to yeah. Go for a walk right now. And, and I was like, this okay,
1: name. this guy is definitely. I mean, to, to be do what he's done, you have to be a smart guy, right? Like to get to the level he was at, and now what he's doing on on X on Twitter, formerly known as Twitter, he's going direct. So I'm I'm curious to see someone like Hassan. I'm not saying he has the same eyeballs as Tucker, the same way he had on Fox. But, I mean, he's he's not probably that far off, right? Like, I'm wondering how it would be if someone like him just goes direct on a Twitter X and actually starts doing, like, that style of what he's been doing on there. And I think for him, he's probably looking at his opportunity as, well, if there's 15, 20 million a year on offer to be on TV and to get that prestigious kind of legacy thing, it obviously is going to help you, right? Like, so I understand why he would want to go for that. But he's kind of, I mean, he was already like a, what was he, a correspondent on there in the past, right? Yeah. So he's got that experience. He's done, to me, he's done enough that at some point you're going to go direct and like, uh, I don't know if...
2: And, be, and become yeah. uncancellable.
1: Exactly. And it, just who do. else is in the running for it? Do you know? Yeah.
2: Uh... Well, the guest hosted. Well, one of them walked away was you know Roy Woods Jr. He's also oh yeah, he's funny though. Yeah, so but he also pulled out because they were just waiting too long. Um, Charlemagne sure... is doing a
1: guest spot for it. Charlemagne the god? Yeah, I heard on Brilliant Idiots. He said, "I'm pretty sure he said he's doing a guest because they're doing probably like guest yeah, ones for now. They're
2: running the guest through." Um, why don't we do Schultz would be
1: good, wouldn't he, but he'd never... Schultz would on. be. Oh, yeah, that but, would be... But, like, but to <laughs> the last
2: ridiculous. point, he's plugged out of the system. Like, yeah, he, he, it wouldn't yeah. make
0: sense for him, yeah. Yeah. Well, that but, uh, I mean, that feels like the metric now, doesn't it? It feels like the biggest
1: comedians in the world are in that category, I feel like. And they that just go oh, direct, the ones are
2: plugged out, yeah.
1: Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, even Rogan is like, it's a licensing deal. It's not Spotify he owning stuff. He owns everything. That's true. Theo Von, direct. Uh, Incredible. Chrysler, like, those guys like, Tom Segura which by the way I just found out Tom Segura if you know him is cousins with funny Huberman. as hell oh, you know, for real yeah he's hey, Huberman's cousins wait cousins with who? Uh, Huberman you know Huberman Lab the, oh, the, the, my, the science guy the Stanford professor guy is cousins with Tom Segura the comedian who uh, he's on that LA circuit, that comedian circuit vibe. But anyway... Um, let's finish Let's is, finish uh, with Netflix. Chappelle. That's the vibe
2: I'm feeling right now.
1: Chappelle, yeah. Sorry, There's uh, a new Chappelle what... coming in there.
2: Yeah, there we go. We're talking about Chappelle. Let's finish with Netflix. What was the Netflix one? Go on. Well, two two things. Uh, Professor Galloway had a good article about... Uh, 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 Prof G had a great article about how Netflix basically has completely bounced back and kind of won um, the streaming war. Um, And then obviously I I put out a tweet earlier this week, Uh, if we could throw it up uh, uh, Rafa. Oh, we don't even need to, but uh, you mentioned getting Nollywood. So Nollywood, which is uh, Nigeria's Hollywood, uh, also a play on India's Bollywood. And Uh, Pakistan's Lollywood. Can't forget about that. Pakistan's (laughs) Lollywood. They had uh, a, they had their first big, uh, big true breakout on Netflix. So, why don't I just talk about the black book quickly? Yeah. I don't know. Have you guys seen it uh, on when you're on the on the Netflix uh, no, not yet uh, platform? You haven't seen it? Did so, you speak
1: to the director or
2: something? Yeah, man. He hit me up on the DMs, man. This is why there we go. love X. This is why we love X You guys get this. Something goes viral. So this film is crushing it. They made so let, let me give a TLDR. Nigeria has the second largest by volume film industry in the world. They make 22,500 films a year in Nollywood. What's Put number them- one? India. Bollywood. Bollywood. Yeah. Like this Bollywood. is volume of yeah. number
1: of films, not revenue, yeah? yeah?
2: Exactly. Revenue still Hollywood, obviously. Um, Obviously, also, a lot of these Nollywood films are pretty low quality, right? And low quality in the sense is quantity over quality. But what's interesting is that they make so many films in Nollywood, uh, a lot of them are under 50,000 budget. Um the problem in Nollywood is how much uh, uh, piracy there is. So these things get made and then DVDs just get copied and that's it. Right. You like, it's very difficult for filmmakers to make money in Nollywood, which is understand there's piracy in North America. Right. So like, of course there's gonna be piracy in Nigeria too. Like when I lived in Vietnam, it was all piracy. But the point is that it was hard for them to make a movie that was highly produced. And the Black Book, which is being described as Nigeria's version of John Wick, um, it got a million dollar budget, but no one wanted to fund it because of the piracy problem in Nigeria. But they're like, wait, what if we can get global distribution, right? That fixes the piracy problem. So uh, the, 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 um, the director is a tech guy. He's a former tech marketing executive named Aditi Effiong. So shout out to Aditi. Uh, we chat on DMs after I did this post and he just thanked me for, because this, this uh, movie is blowing up all over Netflix. It was, it, it, it peaked at number three English language global. It's top 10 in 69 countries. Dude, this movie was like number one in South Korea. South That's Koreans so are watching a That's Nigerian amazing. action mm. movie, right? That's a beauty about Netflix. But um, the movie was made for a million dollars. And the so Netflix, this is the metric they use. They they rarely release uh, numbers, but the ones they have released is the, the number of watches in the first 28 days. That's their go-to metric. So I'm going to give you guys the, the record holders, okay? So actually, I'd love to know how many of these you guys have watched. These are the original films. Bird Box. Uh, 156 million. Glass Onion, 136 million. Don't Look Up, 171 million. The Gray Man, 139 million. This is the most watched Netflix movie ever. Red Notice. Have you guys watched that?
0: No, I don't. What is that again? Maybe.
2: Red Notice has like Ryan uh, Reynolds and The Rock. No. I haven't watched any of these. I watched Glass Onion. That's it. That's it. Did you guys watch any of those? Those are the a little bit of that like glass up. onion
0: and then I turned yeah. it off. Yeah, it but wasn't that, that um the first one was sick. What what was that a sequel to? Um Bird
2: Box, Grey Man with don't Daniel Craig. Gump? Yeah, Glass no, Onion. The... Yeah, yeah, what Glass What was the onion? first one called? That was great. Oh, uh, knives out, knives out. Yeah, that was really good. So the point I'm trying to make though is that all these films had budgets between like 40 50 to hundred mil, right? So Netflix. The arbitrage opportunity with Netflix and Nigerian films is massive, We all know how much Jack loves distribution. How about that? You're making a one million dollar movie. The distro you're getting on that bad boy, right? Um, but let me see. Uh, super quickly, is some thoughts. Uh, well, any thoughts on that? Uh, I don't know if you guys are gonna watch well, then, it.
0: I wonder how. Their other, their other um, advantage, I guess, is that they can run tests for free, basically, right? Like the ability yeah. to see if this, how many people watch a certain amount. It's like a less obvious YouTube, YouTube algorithm happening on Netflix. So, yeah fascinating and also tra- um,
1: they're also used i remember with with youtube they would test out the trailers on youtube i don't know if they it directly correlates to budget but like they can see like how people react to that before they put extra budget let's say in market i'm sure they've defined some of that already but i know that they were one of the smartest people in media entertainment vertical for using it, youtube to streaming
0: the other amazing thing about it is like in the context of digital advertising, like you don't have a click, you, you do have click through, but it's not like one piece of media, or tr- well, I guess it maybe is one piece of media, try and get you to another piece of media. You know, like it's very clean information you're getting from like, most people watch this amount and then you just yeah. rocket it up to the top of the thing. Like, you know, the... I think they added this the last couple of years like the top 10 films in America today like you yeah, get yeah, that when like you turn Netflix trending, on now. It's like yeah. yeah which is a like uh, to me as a weird way to pick what to watch but it seems to be working you know
1: yeah 100%. in a way it's kind of like filters because there's so much stuff on there and half the stuff is like dating you know like uh, what's like, it called reality Love Island. blind and all that sort <laughs> yeah. of stuff but but yeah. man, then you try Love is Blind and then you're like, yo, this, I get it. This is addictive. I see. <laughs> no, but- this is a crazy premise, but it's an amazing show. I yeah. <laughs> look well, at dude, yeah.
2: Let's Let's talk about though, how Netflix, you guys remember last year this time that Netflix like reported their first slowdown in subscribers? You guys remember that? It yeah, It's all yeah. like 25% in one day. we talked about them day. going we with ads it, right? in India and exactly. stuff like that. Yeah. So the last year though, uh, and Prof G had an article on No Mercy, No Malice. Uh, We're checking out. He, he breaks down, actually, if you look at the last year, it's become quite clear Netflix is going to win the streaming war. And the reason that is because Disney Plus, Paramount, Peacock, they're all realizing one thing. Running the, the – they had two business models. Those studios before used to just license those films, right? That's pure margin. If you make a movie and then you sell it to Netflix – that's almost like a hundred percent margin as a secondary revenue stream, right? Outside of theaters and the original, uh, the first channels. What happens if you're building a streaming service? That's a lot of. It's a massive investment, right?
1: You got acquire customers, retain acquire
2: customers, uh, keep them on, uh, keep content so they don't churn, run the technology. All these streaming services are finding out. You got like to Warner replicate Brothers. what Netflix
1: does, yeah. basically. Yeah.
2: I'm trying to replicate. It's extremely expensive. And Netflix could do it for basically a decade because everybody thought they're a technology company, right? Like they go, they're FANG. Netflix was included in FANG, right? Like that, that's inception, even though so much of Netflix is still just a traditional media business, but they're able to build this moat of technology, mindshare and uh, a catalog over the past decade because they were able to have such a strong stock price that could uh, get them new talent and keep them, uh, you know, just a perception. And It was and a Zerp go- era,
1: to be fair. Yeah, it
2: was a Zerp era. They could borrow money to build out this massive catalog, and they used capital to an advantage. They built a massive moat. Everybody else tried to come out, Yo, it's the old wire, right? Come out the king. You better not miss. And all these streaming and- services are finding out how hard it is.
0: Yeah. And it's the best name, best brand. Yep. That's true. Names are destiny, boys, as we've talked about on this pod. <laughs> See, that's
1: Harry Styles, born to yeah, be a star. exactly. Bieber. Exactly, like, oh, did you watch that on Amazon Prime video last yeah, night? Yeah, doesn't really hit, does it? <laughs> roll like off when the you were top. telling us about peacock. that. Um, yeah, Peacock not really doing it. Not really doing it for yeah. me. What was what uh, HBO was that? still that's what HBO that's Max HBO is, is a sick
0: name that's, yeah. it's a great name man and then Home they just got rid of it just
1: goaded absolutely Insane. ridiculous um, alright boys yeah. I think that was a good way to wrap it up but uh, Jack did you want to talk about thanks for sharing that trunk we've got yeah. for people we'll do another episode in the future about Costco's 9 billion dollar clothing business the, the meta chatbot character.ai i want to talk about as well in that world but we don't want to rush it so we'll just save that for another week um jack did you want to share you've been working on his collab or do you want to save that for another oh, time yeah, yeah. Or... i'll uh, yeah, no,
0: i'll do a little 10 seconds i could there share there we go so jack's name. been so, uh, working Trump, on something
1: fun
2: yeah
0: we got a little collaboration coming up with oracle red bull racing
2: there no. we go
1: yeah <laughs> with V <Vivi laughs> uh...
2: or what brand
1: me the... Jack Butcher brand. Jack,
2: no, <laughs> how do you like that? Hey, man, which brand was it with? Uh, VV or checks? Jack Butcher. That's who it's with.
1: I love when you do the yeah. geek voice for yourself. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Jack, what so is it?
2: Is to it for Formula on One? Yeah, Jack, say more. Say yeah, more. Yeah, yeah,
0: more. Well, I can't say that much, but it's, yeah, Formula One. They they already won the championship, so we're doing something for the last
2: who, race Who reached out to season. whom?
0: I did not reach out
1: to them (laughs) (laughs) with the eyes.
2: You guys, you guys remember that Larry King interview with Seinfeld and when Seinfeld, Larry King asked Seinfeld, oh, so uh, uh, did you get canceled or did you quit? And, And Seinfeld just goes, Larry, you think they canceled me? Do you know how many people watched the finale of Simon? That was me and Jack right there. <laughs> I asked Jacks like, who reached out to who? He's like, Trung, can we get Trung a CV? Do, do you know who I am, dude? Wow. That God, is incredible. That's
1: dope, man. Well, it, we, it I be was, because Jack had mentioned it to me and then I was like, we got to save that for the pod. Cause Trump, people who only listen don't know, but Trung is down in Red Bulls on a regular. So he's a fan. Dude, you know? It's
2: so, it's so bad for your health. No, I saw. I love Red Bull, man. <laughs> no, what it's bad. It's not for, bad
1: for cars' health though. So yeah, uh, that's all. Jack could be No, it's good on. for
2: vehicles. No, no, no. Beautiful. Red Bull. Red Bulls. Red Bull's good to go, people. Okay, that's goaded. So, Jack, thank you for sharing that. We look forward to seeing more uh in the next couple of weeks. um there we go. Max Verstappen always invited here, man. We got Opus seat for you, and uh, Mister Verstappen. So open let seat. me know. There we go. But, uh,
1: beautiful but yeah great, boys that was great, great pod. man wow great recovery love that well thanks everyone for being there we'll save some of those uh segments for next few weeks i hope you like that let us know what you think in the comments below and we'll see you next week cheers Bye bye